everybody. Good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. We have gathered in the name of Jesus, so let's take a, a moment and pray. Ask God's blessing on our time, and then we'll get into the Bible study for tonight. Father, we thank you for uh, just your presence uh, as we've gathered. We thank you, Jesus, that you said that you would be in our midst when we gather in your name. So here we are, and we welcome you here now. To this place, we ask that you would lead us, guide us, ask that you teach us tonight, pray you'd empower us. I ask God this be a time where we encounter you. We encounter you, you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We encounter your presence here. We ask God that uh, you would just make yourself known in our midst. And I ask God for just, uh, just a time of fellowship and a time, God, of learning and growing in you. So we ask God that you'd have your way tonight. We ask that you would uh, do what you're going to do. We pray, God, that you'd empower this time. We pray that you'd anoint this time. We ask God that we'd be responsive to you, that we would recognize, recognize your presence here. Acknowledge your presence here. We give you thanks and praise. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S P E A K P I P E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. could be just saying hi, or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. If you have your Bibles, look at uh, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, and I need a volunteer to read verse 25 when you get there. Alright, thanks. If you read the, the whole passage there, uh, Stephen, uh, this is a passage where Stephen has been... Uh, Detained. Uh, in fact, he is uh, about to become the first martyr of the church. And so he takes this opportunity to really uh, teach something and speak something forward here. And there's some details in this account when he is uh, sharing this that you don't find in the original. In other words, if you read Genesis, you're not going to see some of the things that he says here. And so I always find that fascinating that when you, you hear New Testament uh, people speaking, writing, preaching, whatever it is, teaching, and they share something that we don't have a record of. I always find that really fascinating. And you see that in this passage. Jeannie, you're looking at me. What's going on? Oh, and uh, thank you. And, uh, and, so, <clears throat> and so this uh, passage is, is just a part of, a small part of what Stephen has to say. And, and so we're just taking a portion of that in Acts 7.25 to look at and to really consider, you know, what is different about this? What, what's he saying here? And what can we glean from this? What can we learn from this? So uh, first thing I want to say is don't get discouraged. And I really believe that's what God's message for us is tonight, is a message and a word against discouragement. Uh, you get discouraged when things don't happen when we think they should. And a lot of times, what we think is supposed to happen, when we think it's supposed to happen, just really isn't the case. 
Uh, we're assuming certain things. We're extrapolating certain things. We're looking at certain things and we're thinking, okay, well, this must be God's time. Well, what if it's not? This must be God's will or God's purpose or this must be God's moment, but it may not be. And even if God says something, like he said, I'm going to do this. And even if he uses a qualifier, he says, I'm going to do this soon. You got to keep in mind, what is soon to God? Uh, because time is, isn't as relevant in the spiritual realm. Time isn't as relevant to an infinite, all-powerful, eternal being as time is relevant to us. And the Bible describes that in this way. It says that with God, you know, you got a thousand years as a day, and a day is a thousand years. So that those are two really different time frames that, that we're looking at and that we need to understand when it comes to God. So he's going to say something, and he's going to give a, a portion of his will. And I've talked about this before, that the when portion of what God is doing is important. That we, don't, we tend to discount that when we're thinking about, well, is this what God has? Well, yeah, okay. We want to know, is this what God has? Is this God has for you? The next question needs to be, well, when? Because it may be something that God has for you, but it may not be for now. It may be something God's going to do in your life, but it may not be today. It may be something God has spoken over you, but it may not take place for a while. You know, I shared a story, and I shared this before, where I had this word. I I'd, uh, It was actually an encounter with an angel that I had in my car. And this angel had spoken this word to me about what God was going to do in my life. And he told me five things that he was going to do. And when those five things were done, then there would be a work of completion that he would do. And then that would move me into a different place in what I was doing, my ministry and everything else. And so as after that, I was all excited about it. I was like, all right, that's awesome. And so over the next few years, I saw one, two, three, four things. Four things that that angel told me that were going to take place took place in probably two or three years. I mean, it just exponentially like bang, bang, bang. And I thought two or three years at that time was a long time because I was in my 20s. And so two or three years in my 20s was what? 10% of my life. And that seemed like a really long time to me. And so I'm just waiting on it. So then, oh, we just got one more thing. One more thing. I was in my 20s, right? That was 30 years ago. Still waiting on the one thing. I'm still waiting on that one thing. And it wasn't so much that it's like, well, this is what he said he was going to do. Well, he's doing it. I watched him do like 80% of it is done. I watched him do 80% of what he said he was going to do. But there's still this one thing. Out of five things, 30 years later, still waiting. And so the word that we need to have, and, and we need to keep this in mind, is like, is, well, did God say he's going to do it? Yes. All right, so then you need to get this next question in your mind, at least I hope so, is when? Because I don't want you to give up on what God says. You know, it's so easy to just give up on it. It's like, well, God told me this. Right. Well, when? I don't know. I don't know either. And so waiting on something like that and waiting on what God has for us is a condition of faith. And so you need the condition of faith. But if you give up on something, you're not living in a condition of faith. If you forget about something that God says over your life, well, you're not living in a condition of faith. You just gave up. That's not faith. And so waiting for the fifth thing, 30 years later. I guess I could have forgotten about the other four, right? Say, well, God said this. It was a supernatural experience. There was an angel in my car. I had a direct face-to-face -face conversation with him. These are the things that he told me. They happened in a few years, bang, 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 bang. And then I got this one thing I'm still waiting on. I guess I could have forgotten about it. Well, I just won't think about that. But I do think about it. 
well, I guess I, you know, I'll just forget about that. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's not faith. That's not faith. And so encouraging us, I believe, the Holy Spirit's encouraging us that we don't always have the answer. And sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. We don't have the answer to when. And so when becomes an important part of the equation if we're going to choose to live in a condition of faith when it comes to what God tells us. Because if it doesn't happen right away, don't give up. If it doesn't happen when you think it's supposed to happen, don't give up. If it doesn't happen at the moment that you hear it and so you expect it's going to happen, don't give up. Because it may be that it wasn't supposed to happen at that moment. And it's not supposed to happen today or it's not supposed to happen tomorrow. We don't know. Unless you got the answer to that question. So we get caught up in what? Yeah, this is the thing. This is my call. This is my promise. This is what I'm telling you I'm going to do. That's the what. And then the when part of it is like, all right, I don't know when. Then we need to live in a condition of faith. Now, I just believe that God does that so that we do learn to live in that condition. So that we learn to trust him over time. We learn to believe him over time. We learn to wait on him over time. And that we, we find those moments in our life. You think about Jesus. Jesus was born as that little baby, that human baby, and he grew up. He lived his whole life. He lived 30 years before he ever did anything of much significance for the kingdom. We know the story about when he was in Jerusalem and he was sitting among the teachers of the law and all that when he was 12 or however old he was and they left him there but then they came back and got him and all that. We understand that. Okay, there's that story. But the reality is is that the, the work that he was going to do, the significant work that he was going to do, he waited 90% of his life for that 10%. 90%. All right. So he grew up. He was trained. He learned a trade or whatever happened in his life. He was living his life. And then it was those last three, three and a half years that defined what he was going to do. So for the first 30 years of his life, he wasn't involved in any of those things. He was just waiting. Did it negate the fact that he knew what he was supposed to do? No. Did it negate the fact that he had a, a ministry and a job to do? No. It was just time to wait. And so he did. And when the fullness of time had come, when the appropriate time had come, then and only then he stepped forward and he did the work that God, that the Father had anointed him, sent him, and, and given him the power to do. But it was only then. And so why? That's not for me to answer. It's not for you to answer. The why question is a, is a lot harder, and there's a lot of things in the why question that only God knows. The what question? Ask. The when question, though, is something I believe in as a function of something that God wants to do in us to teach us how to have faith over time. And that's just what I believe it is. Now, Moses, when Stephen is speaking here, he's talking about Moses. And, and so Moses, and if you read the story about what happened in this portion of Genesis, uh, Moses had grown up in the house of Pharaoh. He had been miraculously saved as a baby. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter had plucked him out of the river, out of the Nile, and had, had raised him in Pharaoh's household. And so he was miraculously saved. He was supposed to die. She had recognized him as one of the Hebrew children, and he was a male. And so by the decree of Pharaoh, he was supposed to die, but he didn't die. And so she took him into her house and raised him as a son of Pharaoh. Well, all right, so he had the best education that was available in that day. He was raised in the best and most opulent of households of that day. And one of the greatest kings of the day, that's where he was raised. He had every advantage. And the Bible tells us there was one day he was out and he saw one of his fellow Hebrews that was being abused by Egyptian, by an Egyptian, and he went 
And he fought on behalf of his fellow Hebrew and he killed the Egyptian. And so he assumed, Moses assumed, because Moses apparently had an understanding that he was going to deliver God's people. That was his understanding. And so he apparently had some kind of an understanding that he was going to be the deliverer of God's people in Egypt, of the, of the Israelites. And so he looked upon that situation, he saw that abuse going on, and so he took it into his own hands to intervene in that situation. He did intervene in that situation. He delivered that Israelite from that Egyptian and then assumed, note the word, assumed that all of the Israelites would understand that he's their deliverer. That was his assumption. Because he assumed now was the time. Because he knew the what. He knew that he was going to be the deliverer. He knew that. So the what was set down, and the what was known, but the when wasn't. And so because the when wasn't known, he looked at the circumstance, he looked at the situation, and he said, well, now must be the time. He made the assumption that now was the time. He did whatever he was going to do, and it didn't work out. It wasn't the time. And so the people didn't recognize him as a deliverer. In fact, they're like, you're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Because he saw two Hebrews fighting. He said, break it up. You guys should be, you know, you guys should be getting along. And they said, well, who made you a judge over us? In other words, they didn't recognize his leadership at all. They didn't recognize him as a deliverer at all. They didn't recognize him as someone they should even listen to at all. And, and so they refused to listen to him. And then they accused him. They said, well, you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian. And the Bible tells us that then Moses, after that, went out into Midian. And how long do you remember he was out in Midian? Forty years. Forty years. Yeah. Yeah. Not the time. Right? Not the time. You see it? But he thought it was the time. So he had supposed that that was a suitable occasion to rouse and rally the people under him as their leader, but it wasn't. He thought it was. He believed it was. He assumed it was. And see, that assumption, and you want to call that presumption? You can. But that assumption led him to a conclusion that just was not true. The fact was is that he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. The fact was he was going to be the leader of Israel. The fact was that God had called him to do that. The fact was that God was going to use him to do that, but then wasn't the time. And so he had to reconcile somehow his assumptions with the reality of God's timing for his life. And it just wasn't the time. It just wasn't the time. And so he just ran off. So you can get discouraged, I guess, when we make the bad assumption, right? I got the what, you just don't got the when. And so you, you pursue the what, but it ain't happening. Well, not the time. And so you can just get discouraged or you can give up. Or you can recognize that moment that maybe you just don't have the time, right? And let God go about his business in his time. Instead of doubting the call, instead of doubting the word, instead of doubting what it is you heard over your life, instead of doubting those things, just to maintain a faith over time. Let that function in you grow of faith over time. Let God use those moments. Let God use those times in your life. Instead of just getting all disappointed and giving up, let God use those times in your life to, to spring you forward into your faith. Not just a faith in a moment, but a long-term faith that you're going to believe God at his word for how long? As long as it takes. You're going to believe God for as long as it takes. And that function in us 
is something I believe God wants to develop. And so Moses, when he did this with the, when he killed the Egyptian, he saw that his action as the first step of God's plan. That's what he believed. And so he took action in order to get that first step going of God's plan to make him deliverer and leader of God's people. And so he, he did it. He took action. All right, so he took the initiative. Well, it just wasn't right. It wasn't the time. That was all. And so I guess you could beat yourself up over that, but at least you did something, right? It just wasn't the time. And so he had to come to some other kind of a conclusion with that. He had to put himself in a better position than that. And so the lesson of Moses is one of patience. The lesson of Moses is one over is, is one of faith over time. The lesson of Moses is no matter what your efforts are, right? And think about this, how sincere your efforts are. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how passionate your efforts are. It it doesn't matter, you know, what it is you do by your hand. As sincere, passionate, or heartfelt as they are. They don't produce God's timing. You can't do that. You can't make God, you can't, you can't force God's hand because of your sincere effort, because of your passionate effort, because of your loving effort, or whatever it is, compassionate. You, you can't force God's hand. It's, it's not the way it works. And so his efforts did not establish his authority. So his authority could not be established by his own hand. It could not be established by his own means and by his own ministry. It, it just could not. I'm going to look up at a few verses here. Uh, somebody look at 1 Peter 5, 6. 1 Peter 5, 6. And that word do, the, there's a literal translation, at the proper time. At the proper time. Because there's a proper time for everything. What's our job in that scenario, in that verse? Humble yourself. Meaning, submit yourself. Meaning, lay yourself down. Your will, your plan, your purposes, lay them down. And let him do what he's going to do in his time. Again, because your effort, no matter how sincere it is, is not going to establish the authority that God wants to put through you. It's not going to do it. You cannot do it by your own efforts. And so at the proper time, God does what he says he's going to do. Our job is to be humble. Our job is to live in faith. And to let that faith over time, that function, really grow in our hearts and in our lives. That's our job. 2 Corinthians 6.2 2 Corinthians 6 2. For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Alright. Did you did you hear all those references to time? The exact time? The right time? Just when? <laughs> I mean, all of those references are the moments that are only under God's supervision. They're only under his authority. 
and everything else that had to do there. You got, you got a picture of people in that verse crying out for salvation. You got a picture in that verse of people calling out to God for help. But it wasn't until the right time, it wasn't until the appropriate time, it wasn't until the perfect time, the exact time, that God heard that and answered it. Their job was to continue in faith. Their job was to have faith over time, to function in that faith over time. Their job, and, and they did, they were crying out to God, they were calling out to God, this is what we're looking for, this is what I'm waiting for. And at the moment when it was time, he answered that. He heard it, answered it, and it was done. But that's his time, not ours. Another verse, Galatians 4.4. 4. All right, again, uh, a good picture verse, a uh, good picture in that is when the fullness, is, she said set in that verse, that's what she's reading, but when the fullness of time had come, think hourglass. Think an hourglass. How does an hourglass work? You remember, like anybody here ever using hourglass? We used to have to use them for experiments in school and stuff. So when the bottom fills up, it's done, right? So when the fullness of time had come, that all the sand, how much sand is in there? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But it's trickling through. And when that time had come, when the fullness of time had come, and think in terms of fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, that's when God moved. But we don't have that knowledge all the time. We just don't. We want it. We want to know when that's going to be. When will then be now? Soon. Soon. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but it's so right. It's so right. When will then be now? Soon. What's that? I don't know. What is soon to God? A thousand years? I mean, seriously. And so so trying to play that game of trying to figure out when he's going to do stuff. That's like when people start talking to me about end time stuff. I, I, I don't I hate it. All right. I don't I don't mind talking concepts. I don't mind talking ideas. I don't mind talking about like uh, different events that are going to take place or whatever. I mean, that, those are all perfectly acceptable things and all that. But when people start talking about when. It's fruitless. It's just fruitless. And I mean, Jesus said, well, you, you can see the times, the seasons, you know, when the, the, the trees change and all that stuff like that. Well, how long does that last? I mean, sure, you can see certain things moving and you see certain things happening. But different generations that have come before us have seen certain things happening. And they've seen certain things moving and they've seen things like that before in the past. And if you read the writings of people and, and Christians that live through different eras, and, and the things that were happening during their eras, and they were interpreting those things as the signs and the seasons that were taking place. I mean, they were thinking, oh, well, soon. Well, a thousand years ago, they were thinking soon. Fifteen hundred years ago, they were thinking soon. Two thousand years ago, they were thinking soon. Paul writes like that, and he writes, he's like, well, you know, Jesus is coming soon. That was two thousand years ago. What's soon? And so interpreting things like that and, and trying to talk about things like that is, is just a bit fruitless because it doesn't lead to anything. And so, you know, you think in terms of, okay, Jesus said, occupy till I come. Keep working. Keep doing it. Right? Let's just keep going about it. And if you want to think of it in any terms, it's taking that faith and having that function of faith over time. I'm still believing. And I'm going to believe. Just like I'm going to believe for things that he's spoken over in my life, I'm going to believe for those things over time. And sure, it's, it's, it's easier to believe for those things over two or three years. How about 30 years still believing? You're going to still believe it. You're going to still believe for what God has said. You're going to hang on to that. And that's that function of faith. That function of faith hangs on to what God has said 
over whatever time frame that we're living in. Whatever that is. How long is it going to be? I don't know. We need to keep occupying. We need to keep believing. We need to keep moving forward in our faith as time passes. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged in your faith because things don't happen when you think that they should. Because if a guy like Moses messed it up by 40 years, right? He did. He messed it up. He was 40 years early. 40 years early on this one. He's like, well, this must be it. He sees the Egyptian abusing the Hebrew guy, saves the Hebrew. This must be it. They're all going to rally around me. We're going to rouse these people to rise up against their Egyptian oppressors, and we're going to march out of this country. This is it. This is the moment. This is the moment I've been born for. This is the moment that God has prophesied over me for. This is the moment. And he takes it into his own hands. He does what he's going to do, and they want nothing to do with him. Nothing. Not the moment. Not the moment. He thought it was the moment. Doesn't make it the moment. Just because you believe something doesn't make it true. Just because you think something doesn't mean it's right. And kind of get that, all right? Just because I think something doesn't mean it's right. Just because I believe something doesn't mean it's right. Does not. And so I have to get over that. Whatever that piece of pride is that's in us that, well, we believe it's got to be, or we think it has got to be. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. And if a guy like Moses can mess it up by 40 years, what about us? We're not like Moses. I'm not like Moses. None of us are like Moses. Moses is a unique individual here in Bible history. He's his own thing. I mean, you think about how great a prophet and everything else that Moses was. An intermediary, a mediator with God, all those things. The giver of the law with God up on the mountain. Miraculous, supernatural things. I mean, you know, Charlton Heston played Moses. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just supernatural. I mean, Moses was awesome. And if he could mess it up by 40 years... I mean, yeah, of course we can, and we do. And so Moses, 40 years off, and Moses was, the Bible describes him even earlier in this, that Stephen describes him, he was a beautiful child, and he was really smart, and he was brave, and he was powerful. That's how he was described. All those things. And yet he messed it up by 40 years. And I'm not making fun of Moses. I'm just saying it happens. Because some situation, some circumstance convinces us, well, this must be the time. Well, that's not how God works. Things that make sense to us aren't necessarily indicative of what God's going to do. And, and that's one of the hardest things I have when I talk to people. It's like they get convinced. It's like, well, this makes sense to me. Well, yeah, I understand that. doesn't mean it's God's will or purpose. Or it's God's time. You can't figure things out that way with God. It's like it's like the, the little brain trying to figure out the big brain through how the little brain interprets stuff. And it doesn't work that way. That we are living within a certain time frame, within a certain place. We have a limited vision of what we can see. And then we're trying to figure out what someone that can see all of eternity at once, all that's past, all that's future, knows everything that's going on, we're trying to figure out what he's doing based on this moment. One moment, we're going to figure it out. Can't. We can't. And it's okay. It's all right. And Jesus, he said, he's like, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's hard. And because and, they asked him, well, when are you going to restore Israel? It's not for you to know that. Just go about your business. You know, and, and there was even things that Jesus didn't know. They asked him, well, when's the Father going to do this? He's like, I don't know. Only the Father knows that. And if Jesus didn't know, think about that. He didn't know the time that God was going to do certain, that the Father was going to do certain things. 
How much is it really? Is it really surprising? We don't know timing. No, it's not surprising. It it should be something that we kind of understand that we don't have that knowledge in us necessarily. So we don't know. So our job isn't supposed. We're not trying to figure out what the Father's timing is. Stop that. Our job is to live in that function of faith over time and let that grow in us. Let it blossom in you. Let that blossom in you. Let it blossom in you to have patience. Let it blossom in you to to just live out and to continue working, continue doing what you're doing over time. Let that blossom in you. Because I I think that's a powerful thing that God does in us. And I have a hard time with that. I want to make things happen. I like making things happen. Boom, going to do it. That's it. Figure out how to make it happen and make it happen. That's in my personality. It's in my nature to do that. But there's things that in the will of God and the purposes of God and the plan of God that, that just messes things up. Like Moses. He just messed things up. Because he looked at his own strengths Looked at that Egyptian, he's like, I can take that guy, right? Took him, did it, just messed it up. Just messed it up. I mean, you think about it, I mean, Moses is living in a palace. Moses got the best education. Moses is good to be the king, right? Well, he's the prince. He's one of the princes. He's living in the palace. After he did that, he messed it up. He's out in the backside of Midian somewhere with a guy named Jethro, all right? That's what happened. And so he ends up out in the middle of wherever with Jethro, you know, as a shepherd for 40 years, for 40 years, because he took the initiative when he didn't need to take the initiative. Yeah. And I know that's hard to hear. Some of you have a really hard time with what I'm talking about tonight. I understand that. I have a hard time with what I'm talking about tonight. But it, it's, it's a reality of serving God so that we don't become disillusioned, we don't become frustrated, and so we don't give up. It's just the reality of it. You think about what Moses did. He took an act of championship. He he wanted to become their champion. And so he did. It just didn't work. Because that's normally the first step of deliverance is you need a champion. And so Moses looked at that and he's like, well, let's take the first step. He killed that guy and became a champion of the people. They just didn't want him. It wasn't time. It wasn't time. Let's look at some verses here. Luke ten nineteen. So, where does our authority come from? Jesus. Right? Is it by our hand? No. Is it by our means in our ministry? Anything said in there about that? No. It's a simple statement. And the simple statement is, I will give you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions. That's a simple statement. And so the idea behind that is, is that if we're going to live in that authority, we got to stop trying to produce that. We got to start trying to do that and taking the initiative in that. We're going to make that happen. We're not going to make that happen. He's going to do that. He gives that to us. That's his purpose, his plan, his will, his time, all of those things. Moses didn't establish his authority by his own efforts, and neither can we. If you're going to have authority... And you're going to live in authority as God's child. Then it's going to be in his time, his place, and for what he has for you. It's going to be by his word. That's how that's going to happen. 
And so the only way we're going to live in that is by him. And I'll tell you a little, this isn't really a secret, but I'll tell you something is this, that in order to really move in God's authority, and this is just something I'll just give you if you can handle it or take it or whatever. In order to move in God's authority, you just need to believe him. You got to stop judging yourself. You got to stop trying to make things happen. You got to try, stop trying to be good enough. You got to stop, stop trying to be worthy enough. You got to stop trying to whatever it is that you think you need to do in order to, to walk in that kind of authority. You got to stop all that. You got to stop all that. And you just need to receive what he's already said and done. That's it. There, there's no other way it ever is going to happen. And so... You go out and you trample upon snakes and scorpions. Why? Because he said, that's why. Well, how do you do that? Well, he, he said that. That's how you do it. He told me. He told us. You look at everywhere in the Bible where it talks about, well, you know, authority and the idea of New Testament authority, it has to do with him and not us. Every time. Let's look at another verse here. Uh, Luke 10, 19. Is that what we just looked at? Matthew 16, 19. Why? How do you have that authority? How, though? What do you do? He gave you the keys. He gave you the keys. You didn't snatch them out of his hand. You didn't go on a quest to find the keys. <laughs> no, he just handed them to you. It's super boring, okay? There's no quest. <laughs> Yeah, he just hands them to you. He's going to hand it right to you. <laughs> it's easy. All right. It's boring and easy the way it works in the kingdom. He just hands you the keys. And this is what he says you could do. You could bind on earth, bound in the heavens, all that kind of stuff. You don't got to gin that up or nothing. You don't have to, to make that happen. It is what it is because he hands you the keys. Everything that needed to be done to get those keys, he did it. He already did it. Any authority that we move and trample upon snakes and scorpions, the reason we have that authority is because he did it. He just gives it to us. He hands it to us. And the thing about the keys and what I want you to really get a picture of in your mind is that to get the, the whole notion, I got to go out and do something to get them keys. You don't. He just hands them to you. All right. He, there it is. It's not a good movie. All right, this isn't a good movie plot. It's not a good book plot. It's not a good plot at all. There's no plot. He just hands you what you need. There, go do this. But what'd you do to deserve him to hand that to you? Nothing. Nothing. Well, how did you prove yourself worthy to receive the keys? You didn't. You didn't. He made a choice. He had the keys in his hand. He looked at you. Who? Anybody. You. He looked at you and he hands you the keys. Here, go. Do this thing. Because if you look at the person that he, you know, is, is standing there in that moment, you got Peter. Who's Peter at that time? Peter. Peter's, he's about to get rebuked and called Satan. In just a moment, just, just, just a few seconds after this, he's about to get called Satan and get rebuked by Jesus. So what did he do to deserve that? Just a royal screw-up right afterwards? I mean, is that what was going to happen? Yeah. Nothing. 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 The quest is over. What's left to ponder? Here are the keys. Here are the keys. And there's authority in that. And so we need to receive that. If you can. If you can. There came a day where I just accepted what Jesus said for me 
And when I accepted what Jesus said, it revolutionized the way I saw myself and the way I saw myself in relation to the world around me. And it all had to do with him. But it revolutionized how I was going to move through this, through this earth. How, how I was going to go about God's business on this earth. It revolutionized it. Because I understood that it was about him and it wasn't about me. Well, what if I had a bad day yesterday and I was mean to that person? I flipped somebody off on the highway. I guess God's not going to use me. No, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. People want it to work that way. They want it to. And if you think about it, you think about like like the, the way that people look at people who move in miracles. I mean, seriously. They they like they look at people who move move in miracles and they're like they're they seem like high exalted and greater than everybody else, but they're not. They're just somebody that believes what they've been told and just moves in what they have. It's, it's all of us. They're among us, and it could it's possible they could be the dumbest among us to just believe God at what he says. And I don't mean that in any disrespect. I just mean that in the sense that they don't overthink it. They're not trying to overthink it. They just believe in God what he says over their lives, and they just move in it. That's it. Somebody look at Matthew 10, 1. Matthew 10, 1. So, so what they do for Jesus to do that? What they do? Well, they did come to him. You know, he called them, and so they showed up, right? So they showed up when he called them, and he, and he just gave them authority to do all that stuff. So I guess being present means something in the kingdom. Just be present. All right? He calls you, hey, come here. All right, I'm here. All right, and that's it. That's all you got. Be present. If you're present in the kingdom, this is what happens. Does this seem too easy? Or, or do you kind of understand what I'm saying? Are you you're starting to, if you can get a hold of this, I could revolutionize, seriously, could revolutionize how you're used in the world. It really could, if you could get this. If you can get this. Last one, Acts 1 8. Acts 1 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So you'll receive power. What were they doing on the day of Pentecost? Do you remember? They were waiting in the upper room. That's what they were doing. They were waiting. They weren't taking the initiative. You get it? They were waiting. And God moved in their lives and after God moved in their lives and they got up and did something because it was the right time. But until then, they were just waiting. They had nothing better to do. Jesus had said, this is what's going to happen. Well, it didn't happen right that second, did it? So they just get frustrated and give up? No. They still believed him. They still believed that it was going to happen. They still believed it was said, this is going to happen. And so they waited for that to happen. And it did. Then they stepped up, stepped out, and did what it was they were going to do. Ended up changing the whole world. But they waited to start until the time. You think Moses... And I don't want to belabor this, but I want you to really think about Moses. Why did Moses think this was the time? 
Well, he had been delivered out of Egypt's hands when he was young. He was ready in his heart and his spirit to defend his people. He was ready. But the thing was, it seemed like the right moment to him. And he was just wrong. And he was right. He did get miraculously delivered out of Egypt's hands. And he was right. He was ready to defend them. But his willingness and his readiness to defend them, that's not enough, is it? It's just not enough. I mean, maybe uh, before the day of Pentecost, in between when Jesus ascended and the day of Pentecost came, maybe the disciples were ready to go out and witness, right? Maybe they were ready to go out and do miracles. I don't know. Maybe they were ready in their hearts to really go out there and share the gospel of Jesus. It just wasn't time. I mean, they had been called. They had been assembled. They had already done the work. They had been trained. They had all of the intangibles that they were ready to go and all the tangibles, they're ready to go. But it wasn't time. And so they waited, as Jesus instructed them to, until they were endued with power from on high, and then they went. See, Jesus gave them a time for his will. So wait here until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then go. He gave them time. So they waited and then did it. So the people in Moses' day didn't respond how he thought they would, did they? No. They didn't. Because he thought he was giving them salvation and deliverance. They thought he was nobody. Because it wasn't the right time. Do you see how that could make you frustrated? Do you understand? Yeah. And it's not that God wasn't going to use Moses, because obviously he did. But in that moment, can you see how that could be really frustrating? Can you see how that could be really disappointing? Can you see how that could really lead someone to just give up? Right? Don't give up. Don't give up. Just because you get the timing wrong doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you got the timing wrong. And there may be something that God is going to do through you when the time is full. All right? Whatever he said he's going to do, he's going to do. And so you need to have that faith over time. That God's going to fulfill what he said he's going to do in the fullness of of time when is the fullness of time he knows our job is to stay with that faith until that time a few more verses then we're done so we look at uh, John 1 11 and 12 and I'm only sharing these verses because I want to just, just let his word establish this in your heart let it establish it. This is a principle that's part of how God deals with us and how God uh, really speaks to us. It's a principle of this that we need to really get solidified in us. John 1, 11 and 12. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All right, who is that? Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Jesus went to his own and they didn't receive him. Kind of interestingly. Right? Uh, and, and so, in a similar sense, for different reasons, but in a similar sense, they didn't receive Moses either. So let's go to Luke 9, 58. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place where he is 
Why? Why didn't the Son of Man have any place to lay his head? Yeah, I mean, he just wasn't popular. <laughs> Go ahead. He had places to be. He had places to be. So he was on the move quite a bit, right? What happened to his family? Thought he was nuts. Tried to take charge of him. So he's talking to a guy about leaving his home, right? And the guy's talking about, well, this is why I can't leave my home. And he said, well, you know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but some man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, his home, he's been rejected at his home. His own, his own family rejected him. Now they came around later. But at that point, as he was traveling, they had rejected him. He had nowhere to lay his head. Nowhere to go. Mark 12, 10. All right. And and so again, Jesus is talking about that, and he's talking about that there was always those people that were among them that rejected the Father's plan. But that's what how the Father was going to build what he was going to build. Matthew eight thirty four. This is the last verse. And I want to say something about all these verses. Now this is after he this is after he cast demons out, right? Uh, is that the one from Matthew? Yeah, he cast demons out of two two guys that were completely demon possessed. They were in their right minds because he cast the demons out of them. They were now in their right minds, and they went out to see him, and they're like, uh, "Could you please leave?" They want anything to do with him. And all I want to say about this is that popular opinion does not tell you God's will or timing for your life. That is not how you tell that. And that's why you don't you can't use your own sense to say, well, this must be God's will. Well, because everybody agrees with me. Well, if everybody agrees with you, likely it's not God's will, number one. And number two, it's just not the way it's done. That is not by popular opinion. It's not by people loving you. It's not by people agreeing with you. It's not by people saying the things you want to hear. It's not by people doing the things you want them to do that tells you what God has for you and when God has it for you. Those are not the ways it's done. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, there are plenty of people that didn't like anything he was doing. But that was God's time and God's purpose and God's plan and God's will for him. So it's not popular opinion. It's not what others are thinking. It's between you and your God. And it's up to you to have that faith over time to wait for the time for it to come to pass. Don't expect other people to have your faith. You've got to have the faith. Don't expect other people to believe for you because that's not how it works. That's up to you to believe for that. And so as, as this becomes something that there may not be anybody else that understands the call of God on your life. May not. That doesn't mean it's not right. Maybe, maybe other people, I just can't see that. Well, maybe it's just not time. Maybe some people will never see it and never understand it, but that's not how God's will is determined over our lives. All the tricks that we've come up with, all of the little methods that we have, everything that we have figured out to try and figure out what God's will is for our lives are meaningless. When you look at the scriptures, they're meaningless. They're just convenient ways, convenient ways, for us to avoid really hearing from God. There are convenient ways 
for us to avoid having to live out our lives by believing something over time, regardless of the circumstances around us. They're convenient ways to excuse ourselves. And it's time we stop doing that. And so I want to encourage you. All of us have things in our life that God's spoken over us that it didn't come to pass right away. I shared something earlier. So I'm, I'm waiting 30 years. I'm still waiting. It's 30 years ago. I'm still waiting. And all of us have things like that. And likely, some of you aren't 30 years old yet. So likely, they're, they're shorter... <laughs> There's shorter time spans than what I'm talking about, but but what I'm getting at is that is that we need that faith, and we need to say, you know, God, teach me, God, and He's going to put you in a position where you can do this, where I'm just going to believe you, regardless of circumstance, regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of how much time passes, I'm going to keep believing you that you're true to your word in my life, and let it be. Just let it be. If you tried to take the initiative and it failed, not God's time, likely. Let it be. Don't get discouraged. Pick up your faith and get back to it. So Heavenly Father, I pray for us tonight and I ask that you'd encourage each of us tonight. That each of us you've given vision to, each of us that you've spoken over our lives, each of us that you've given us direction, each of us that you have really uh, just done a work in us, and maybe things didn't happen when we thought they were going to. I pray that you'd begin to encourage people tonight. I pray you'd encourage them right where they're at. You'd encourage them, God. Uh, even if they're living in doubt right now, you'd encourage them in their doubt. And I pray, Father, that that doubt would begin slowly and surely to turn to faith in them. Even as a, a small amount of faith, even as a little bit of faith can change something much bigger, I pray a little bit of faith would begin to rise up in our hearts and in our lives tonight. A faith that would extend over time. A faith that would be this that function of us believing you at your word but extending out over a time frame. God, uh, I just ask you, I ask you that you would teach us what that means. You teach us what patience means. You teach us, God, what it means that, that your word is true, that your word never returns void, that your word is eternal, that your word is right, that your word will come to pass. And I just thank you for that. And I thank you for the assurances that we have of all of those things. I thank you for the examples that we have in Scripture of people that had to wait, just had to wait. And then one day, it was time. Whether it's Moses and Midian or whether it's Jesus living in Nazareth. Or whoever it was, whoever it is in the Scriptures, as they waited and waited and waited in faith and anticipation of what you're going to do according to your word, but waiting for that moment in faith, I pray that we would learn to do that. And so I ask you that you would encourage us tonight. I ask you, Lord God, that you would uh, take hold of us and that we would learn what it is to believe you, keep believing you, Keep believing you until we see it come to pass. I pray we wouldn't be small-minded. And I pray we wouldn't be lazy. But I pray, God, that we would be steadfast in what we know you've said. We give you thanks tonight. I ask, Lord, for faith to rise up in each of us tonight to continue believing you. I give you thanks. Let me give you praise. Father, I thank you for what you've said over us as a church even. All of us. And who you said that we would be. We believe you, God. We believe you. We believe you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Speak by saying amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming tonight. 
UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the comunidad. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah.